Well, good morning, Hallmark. We are excited for today um, because not only do we get to highlight our student ministry, but bigger than that, uh, we get to celebrate God this morning. And we get to do this every single Sunday, but specifically, it's a, I'm a little biased because we get to celebrate what God's been doing in the lives of our students. And so today's going to be a little bit different because over these next few minutes, you are going to get to hear from our students. Uh, this summer, we, as a student ministry, decided, you know what? This isn't my student ministry. This isn't the leader's student ministry. This is their student ministry. And so we threw it out to them and said, hey, on Sunday mornings, we want to give you guys the opportunity to share from God's word, share what God's been teaching you, and share with others about God. And I will let you know, for two and a half months, these students stepped up and taught. And so we are going to highlight four of them that bravely and willingly stood up and said, yeah, I, I want to teach in front of the adults, which I'll be honest with you, I've been doing this for 15 years now, and I still get nervous. So the fact that they said yes, give them a round of applause just for that, all right? So first up, first up, we have one of our seniors, Eric McFadden. Give it up for him. I recognize that because uh, most of you probably know this, but uh, in between the New and the Old Testament, there's like a 400-year gap, I think. So this generation of people had never, known, never heard Jesus speak. They had never heard this type of speech come out of a man. So this was something new to them. And it really spoke to me because in this first five, when he, he even recognized him, he says master, he recognized him as an authority, but still holds back. And I think that can really speak to us as a believer, because it can show that you can know who Jesus is and what he's done for your life. And you'll still kind of have those personal fears and doubts about yourself. Uh, for example, in case it's not obvious, I'm not a very good speaker. I don't do crowds very well. So this uh, was a big step for me, but uh, my fear of, you know, being in large crowds and speaking the word kind of held me back for growing for a lot of years. Whenever I would feel, you know, called to, you know, pray for my friends or, you know, tell them the word or just uh, share my testimony, I would, I would hold back because I didn't feel comfortable. I was like, no, God, uh, you don't understand. Like, I'm, I can't do this, you don't know me. The same way that Simon Peter is saying, oh Jesus, no, I'm, I'm a fisherman. And I didn't catch anything all night, so why would, why would I go again? And that's, again, it spoke to me because that's kind of how I thought for a long time was, no, I can't, I can't talk in front of people, I can't share my testimony, I can't do stuff like this because you know, I'm scared, I'm nervous. And uh, you know, I'm not a good talker. And this year, it really, I kind of realized that, that I was holding myself back and that, I don't know, that I was letting, kind of just letting the devil kind of hold me back with my own personal fears and doubts. And um, it really became clear at the beginning of the year and even more clear at camp when I was really, it, it hit hard. I mean, if you, anyone that went to camp knows that it was, it was good. Like a lot, it was, a, lot of, a lot was revealed to a lot of people. And so uh, my main takeaway from this is that uh, Jesus' Jesus's plan for us is greater than our personal doubts because no matter what, he created you and he can use you no matter what, no matter your circumstances, no matter what you believe in yourself. 
he will use you and he will help you overcome your greatest, uh, what holds you back. It's a little short today. Uh, I do apologize for that, but um, I'm going to pray us out and uh, we'll get to our next speaker. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak in front of the congregation. Um, thank you for the, the story of uh, Simon Peter showing that even in times of doubt, you, are, you can be used, you can use people and that you are stronger than what we believe in ourselves because you are the creator of all of us and you gave us these personalities and quirks to use uh, for your glory. And uh, I pray we all, uh, the rest of this day will go good. I pray that people will be moved in this church and uh, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I thank you for your time. Hello, all right, good morning. I'm Preston, and before I talk about my lesson, I'd like to share my testimony with you. In 2016 VBS, I saw people getting Bibles and wondered why they were getting Bibles. And I asked my mom, found out that they got Bibles because they got saved. I wanna learn more about being saved, ask many more questions, till one day, talk my mom, my dad, after Sunday, decided I wanna get saved. That night, prayed, got saved, and a couple weeks later, I was baptized. I really don't remember anything spiritually moving in my life through the elementary years, but my first year at camp, I learned so much more about being a believer and what God was calling me to do. I felt called to invite one of my friends to church, and they're now coming regularly, and also all three camps that I've been to, especially this year's camp, I felt really led to be more bold about my faith in church and school and not hiding it from my friends. And also, that great gift of forever life in heaven is the greatest news ever, so why should we hide it but, but go out and share it with everyone we know? So that's why I prayed for God to use me and my talents to worship Him. And I'm very blessed to be playing on the worship band this morning and be able to go on the mission trip to Wyoming this year. Since I chose to be bold in my faith, this morning I'll be talking about the boldness of Elijah against the prophets of Baal. This story takes place in Samaria in the northern kingdom of Israel. The ruler was evil, King Ahab, and his wife Jezebel. Both worshiped the false god Baal. God sent Elijah to King Ahab to warn him to repent. If he did not repent, then God would bring a drought on his kingdom. Ahab did not repent, God sent a drought on Samaria that lasted for three years. Our story picks up in 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah returns to Samaria after three years to let King Ahab know that God was going to allow it to rain again. So in 1 Kings chapter 18, 7, it says, while Obadiah was walking along the road, Elijah suddenly met him. When Obadiah recognized him, he fell face down and said, is it really you, my Lord Elijah? It is I, he replied. Go tell your Lord Elijah is here. But Obadiah said, what sin have I committed that you're handing me to your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? So we see that Elijah crossed path with Obadiah, a fellow believer in God. Elijah told Obadiah to go tell King Ahab that Elijah was here. Obadiah was afraid for his life, but Elijah promised him that he would be safe and he would be there. Obadiah tells Ahab and Elijah has returned. Ahab goes to Elijah and confronts him. 
Elijah confronts Ahab and accuses him of abandoning the commandments of the Lord and following the false god of Baal. Elijah orders Ahab to bring out 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. Ahab sent for all the people of Israel and prophets to gather at Mount Carmel. Elijah tells them that if the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. Elijah challenged the 450 Baal prophets to like two bowls for sacrifice, cut it up, place it on wood, but not set fire to it. I will do the same. Call upon the name of your God. I'll call upon the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. The people agree to the competition. I like to think of this as a barbecue competition and the winner proves, and and the winner proves that their God is real. Pretty high stakes. The Baal prophets called upon the name of, of of Baal from morning to noon, and there was no answer. Elijah mocked them, saying, cry louder. Maybe he was musing or going to the bathroom, or he's on a journey. Maybe he's asleep. But the Baal prophets cried louder and even started like hurting themselves, but there was still no response. Elijah repaired the altar using 12 stones according to the number of tribes in Israel. He built a trench around the altar large enough to hold four gallons of water or two seeds of seed as said in the Bible. He said, fill four jars of water, pour it on the burnt offering and the wood. He said, do it a second time and a third time. The trench was filled with water. Elijah prayed to God to send down fire to consume the sacrifice. Now in 1 Kings chapter 37 through 40, I don't think this is on the screen, but it says, answer me, Lord, answer me, so that this people will know that you are the Lord, your God, our God, that you have turned their hearts back. And then the Lord's fire fell, consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water. That was in the trench when all the people saw it. They fell face down and said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And then Elijah ordered them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let even one of them escape. So they seized them. Elijah brought them down to Wadi Kishon River and slaughtered them there. And in Deuteronomy 13.5, it explains why these false prophets were killed. It says that that prophet or dreamer must be put to death because he has urged rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the place of slavery to turn you from the way the Lord your God has commanded you to walk. You must purge the evil from you. This explains why the false prophets were killed. We can take away from this that Elijah was so bold in his faith. He was willing to go up against the king and queen of northern Israel to prove that God is real. We see that no matter where Elijah was in his faith, God is always with him and we could use that in our daily life and many students that went to camp this year, after we left, we were so fired up for God and to share the gospel. But now once we're in school, the environment changes, we might not be as bold anymore. We know God is always with us. All right, I'm gonna pray us out. The next person to come up. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. And I pray, and I pray that this service today will go well and everyone has a safe travel. And that from each four people, uh, teaching their lesson today that some that someone would get something out of it to take home and like use it on their own life and that the Holy Spirit is talking to them. Amen. Hi. Oh wow that's loud. Okay. So I need to test something out. Uh, God is good and all the time. 
why is this upside down? Okay. So today I'm going to be talking about Isaiah 1, right? It's really cool. Okay. So we're going to read verses 20 through 31, and then we'll get into all the good stuff. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See how the faithful city has become a prostitute. She was once full of justice, righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. If you do not defend the cause of the fatherless, the widow's case has not come before them. Therefore, the Lord Almighty, the Mighty One of Israel, declares, Ah, I will vent my wrath on my foes and avenge myself on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you, and I will thoroughly purge away all your dross and remove all of your impurities. I will restore your leaders as in days of old, your rulers at the beginning. Afterward, you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion will be delivered with justice, her penitent ones with unrighteousness. Right? Oh, cool. But rebels and sinners will both be broken, and those who forsake the Lord will perish. You will be ashamed because of sacred oaks in which you have delighted. You will be disgraced because of the gardens that you have chosen. You will be like an oak with fading leaves, like a garden without water. The mighty man will become a tinder and his work a spark. Both will burn together with no one to quench the fire, right? So in verses 20, there's a warning that says, if you don't repent, you will die. Because at this time they're being sinful and they've just turned away from God. In verses 20 through 23, we see God paint a picture of how his people were beautiful and are now sinful and unrighteous. Then in verse 24, God states that he will vent his wrath on his foes and enemies. And he's going to punish the unrighteous and the sinful, right? And I think we can see God is definitely angry because he goes, ah, in scripture. There's no angrier thing you could say in scripture, right? Uh, in verses 25, 26, 27, he says that he will restore his people and make them righteous again. Uh, a peculiar word that is mentioned in verse 25 is dross, right? So dross is like impurities on a metal that makes it look ugly. And so the way in like Jerusalem times that they got rid of dross was they would uh, heat up the metal in a melting pot and when it was melted, they would take like a non-flammable pool net and they would scoop out all the stuff. And um, then the way they could tell that the metal was pure and there was no more impurities is that they would look down and they would see their own reflection in the metal, right? So in the same way, God sometimes turns up the fire in our lives to purify us. And how often does he do it? Until he can see a clear reflection of himself in us. And the last thing that I wanted to point out about this is that the verse 31 says that the mighty man will become a tinder and his work a spark. Both will burn together. What he is saying here is that we are the ones destroying ourselves. There is no one to blame but our own sin because we are sinful, right? But there is good news because Isaiah 7:14 reads, therefore the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and it will call him Emmanuel, right? 
700 years before Jesus even came, they were looking forward to him, right? They had something to look forward, a goal. And even though they didn't know that he was there, they didn't even see him coming. They knew it was gonna happen, so they stayed faithful, right? And then John 3, 16, uh, 17 and 18 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Right? So we all know the first John three sixteen. you know, we all know it by heart. 17, uh, more of us know it, some don't. And then 18 is something I, I never paid attention to that, you know? It's 18, it's not 16 or 17. <laughs> but um, it's a really important part because it's like the fine print. It's saying if you don't believe, you're going to hell, right? So I would encourage you guys, like he's given me a new life. I, he wants everyone here to have a new life, okay? So the main points that I wanna make about this are that God is righteously angry, right? He didn't do anything, we're the ones who did it. We are at fault, again, right? God loves us even though we aren't perfect. God wants to be with us in eternity and Jesus died so we wouldn't have to suffer in hell, okay? And then if you've been asleep this whole time, uh, wake up because if you're gonna take one thing away from anything I say, it's this last one, is that God's love is greater than our sin, right? Nothing can beat God's love. It's so unfairly awesome that we can't beat it. Satan himself can't beat God's love. God is the only one that can save us, and he already has. You just have to accept the gift. All right, so I'm gonna pray us out. God, thank you so much for giving us a new life. Um, thank you so much for uh, loving us as much as you do. Um, and uh, I pray that you would be speaking to everyone's heart, and I pray that you would calm everyone's nerves, and that there would be no technical difficulties. And in Jesus' name, amen. There we go, I can hear myself, all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I apologize in advance, I'm not as funny as the first three. I don't have any jokes, but I'll try my best. So, today is it up, can you do the slides? Okay, I'm gonna be talking about love and why it's so important as a Christian to love others and to love not only people who you already love but people you hate and to love your enemies. So. First, before I get into the passage, I'm gonna talk about why, as a Christian, it's so important to love. So, as a Christian, if you say you are, if you profess that you're a Christian, 
whether you like it or not, you represent Jesus. And that's a big responsibility. Because you could either do a good job of that or a bad job of that. And whenever you share the gospel with other people, if it's not done out of love, you're not doing it right. Right? You're, representing, you're misrepresenting Jesus and what he stood for and what he, what he did, which was love others and forgive everybody. So we're going to get into the passage, which is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. My first point is, why is loving others um, so important? So I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift, the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So in the first three verses, he's highlighting why like, love is essential to being a Christian. Because if you could do everything, you could give your body to be burned, you could give your life, lay your life down, sacrifice your life, you could give all your goods to the poor. But if it's not done out of love, if it's not done out of selflessness, then it means nothing. It's just doing more harm than good. So, yeah, no amount of faith, no amount of giving means anything if it is not done out of love. And love should be the foundation of your life as a Christian. So, on to my second point, which is how we should love. And then, okay. Verses 4 through 8. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, bears all things, oh, sorry, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. And before I move on to the next two verses, I wanted to get into that word truth, right? Because that truth never changes. This never changes. Everything else will, but this never changes. This is something you can always lean on and always just go to when you're feeling lost or whatever. And, um, Yeah, so truth, like love is not just all niceness. It's not, this will make, this will make people angry and that's okay, but you still gotta stand up for what this says. Because the world is changing, people believe all sorts of crazy stuff, but this never changes and you gotta stand up for what this says. Um, so love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, and does not seek its own. So love is selfless, it's not for your own gain. If you're, doing, if you're doing things out of love for your own gain or to help you at all, then it's not real. So, um, yeah, on to, okay. Yeah, that's about it for that. And then I'm gonna move on to, yeah, this is probably the most important point, the point that I wanna talk about the most. And it's how Jesus loves us. And this is how we should love. So, Philippians 2, verses six through eight, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made, himself, uh, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, and obedient to death, even death on a cross. So this is why we can love. This is why we can forgive, because not something that we can do, but because he's already won the battle for us, and he's already loved and given up everything to save us. And now, I wanna talk a little bit about, not my testimony, but like my experience and my perspective on what, what this means. So, my whole life, like I believed, I, I knew Jesus died on the cross for our sins, I knew that, 
but I didn't realize how much it affected me and how it can change my life, like, so much. So, I wanna talk about, like, it was the Wednesday before camp, and then I was, like, on the way home, because we had, like, the kickball night, and then I think we were leaving the next morning to go to camp. And I was praying, like, the whole ride home that at camp something would happen, and, uh, like, I would feel something, because I hadn't felt anything. Whenever I read, like, the Bible, I read, like, the Gospels and his death, I didn't feel, like, sad or anything. Like, I went to the Good Friday service, everybody was crying, everybody was emotional, but I don't know why, I just didn't, like, feel that. And I wanted to feel that, but I couldn't. So then I realized, it was the last, I mean, they talked about it with their testimonies, but the last time I came was pretty special. He was talking about how, like, you, like, you stand up if you struggle with addiction, shame, guilt, regret, depression, anxiety, all the things that we all struggle with. And it changed my perspective. He didn't talk about this, but it changed my perspective on like what Jesus did. Right, so the cross is a place where you can take your burdens, your problems, your shame, your guilt, all of that, and you can lay it down because Jesus already went through that. Right, Jesus didn't just suffer for us, he suffers with us, and that's just, it was pretty crazy to me because I, I understood it better than I ever have after that night, and it changed my whole perspective on the cross. So, you can move on. This is the conclusion, and this is John 15, 12. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And that just sums up everything I've said. So, okay, let's pray. Bow your heads. Um, I pray that as we leave here today, we would show love to other people, not just people we love, but people we hate. And no matter what happens, we would forgive just like Jesus did on the cross and love just like he did. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, hopefully um, you've been encouraged through it all, that God is speaking to you. Um, I just wanted to wrap it up by reading a passage from 2 Timothy. If you know, this is uh, Paul's last letter as he's writing uh, before his death. And I just wanted to read it as an encouragement for you and as a way for me and our student ministry to just say thank you. It says, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, it says, I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did. When I, was constant, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, remembering your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and now I am convinced is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. God has been moving in the lives of these students this summer, but over these last years. And I think a lot of it has to do with you guys. And so I just wanted to take this time to thank you because these students know that there's a group of people at Hallmark Church that love, that care for them, and that have set an example of faith. Because just like Timothy, 
The faith that you're seeing is a result of your faith 